Welcome in to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. Today is our CIF Division I playoff preview. We've got a loaded show. I'm going to be joined by Steve Doherty, SoCal Area Scout, to break down all the top storylines as we see them. Then I'll be joined by Coach Weber from Cyprus, Coach Madure from Huntington Beach, and close it out with Coach Borba from Orange Lutheran. That's three of your top four seeds in the Division I playoff bracket just released today. Stay tuned for that show. Welcome in to the PBR California podcast. I'm pleased to be joined by SoCal Area Scout Steve Doherty. Doe, the day has come. The brackets released this morning. The playoffs are upon us. It's go time, baby. What do you got? Uh, just stoked, man, that this, this time of year is here. A uh, lot of hard work, a lot of hay stacked in the barn for all these teams, and it's just time to get out there and 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 play, man, and just lay it all on the line. And it's a, it's a one-and-done format, so it's just, it's just time to put it all out there. Yeah, the one-and-done format, man, it's just it's something that is really mind-boggling, right? I know we were talking about it at the summit, uh, back in Chicago when we had our, our national PBR meetings you know, with some of the guys from the other states, and they couldn't believe that the CIF Southern Section is a one-and-done format, uh, you know, given the quality of the baseball out here. But as they say, it is what it is, right? Yeah, we, we also talked about it on our on our first podcast, I believe. And, and just as it is now, it is what it is, and everyone's going to play it out as it is. And and maybe we'll address some of the things in the off season moving into uh, in, into next year. Yeah, let, let's hope so. So we got some storylines to talk about here. You know, let's jump right into it. Uh, one of the things that, that we were talking about before we came on air was just the the depth of the pitching staffs on some of these on some of these teams, right? I mean, that's that's one of the big storylines. And and I know that you know when you're able to trot out three four guys. Uh, in, in one in one game that are quality pitchers, you know that certainly helps your case, right? I mean, we're talking about some serious pitching depths here. Yeah, even even the big names, the Orange Lutherans, who has you know three headed monsters, the Etiwandas, uh, three guys, and there's also some other teams that have two three guys that you may not even have heard about or just kind of fly under the radar all year but there's some as we as we talked it in in our pregame here i mean pitching is definitely the storyline yeah yeah the pitching is is (coughs) excuse me is crazy you talk about you know some of those teams aliso niguel comes to mind right i mean that's a team that has flown under the radar all season long and quietly you know fritterer matthews and hoopengarner you talk about a three-headed monster i mean that's three Pac-12 level arms right there, uh, you know, and then they've got some depth on the back end too. And that's a team that nobody's talking about. And, and, and you know, they, here they come into the postseason, you know, at home against Chaminade. Uh, and then they, if they move on, they face off against the winner of, of El Toro and South Hills. So, I mean, that's a team that could potentially make a run on the depth of their pitching. No doubt less. I mean, they got a fourth guy, Michael Davini, who's a USD commit, who had barely, maybe maybe not even pitched all year. And I know he's been doing bullpens and he's trying to stay sharp, but there's 
there's just a, a bevy of arms ready to go for that for that Wolverine squad. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, another one of the storylines that, that that we identified is, you know, at least I did uh, on a podcast earlier was, you know, is this Olu's year, right? You talked about the three-headed monster, but I mean, let, let's face it, they've got guys on on that roster who are you know, division one arm, they have a division one arm that has thrown three innings all year. And Jimmy Irvin, you know, he's going to Cal Baptist. And, and when you can have that sort of depth uh, on the mound, I mean, that really bodes well. Right. And, and they're coming off a semifinal run. I just, you know, to me, that's a big story. What kind of within the story, because everybody has seen them or perceived them as the best team in the Southern section all year. Yeah, I mean, you know, come winning the, the National High School Championship in North Carolina, uh, a lot of expectations. They, they checked that box, and now it's time for the Lancers, I think, to to, to buckle down and, and really get after this one. It's not like they did, didn't did do that in the past, but I, I think the expectation is there uh, for Olu and Coach Borba, and this this is their year. I mean, I think they they're they're deep everywhere. They have interchanging parts that they could move around, and and Boards just does a just an awesome job of of doing that, mixing up the lineup, putting in guys in the right positions to be successful, and they're going to be tough to beat. I mean, we say that every year, but especially this year, they're just going to be really tough to beat if they're firing all cylinders here. You're absolutely right. It's just the the quality of the pitching depth there is is pretty wild. I was, I was looking up some numbers before we jumped on the air, though, and Olu is twenty six and four in Trinity League play the last two years, and the next closest team is seventeen and thirteen, uh, which is pretty wild, man. That's a nine game difference, uh, and and since that loss to Notre Dame uh, back at the to start the Boris Classic. They're 15 and one with their only loss coming to Servite, a three to one uh, loss at that Servite. So, I mean, that team is rolling right now. There's a few other storylines that, that we and I were looking at. Um, you know, Capital Valley, the defending Division One champs. You saw them recently. You like them. They're deep. You know, what do you feel about them? I did. I went in about a few weeks ago now to to check out Cutter Clausen, and they had Tim Scarlett on the mound. Uh, they are extremely talented and young. Uh, Jack Haley, the Oregon commit, and Brady Casper, the Oregon State commit. Uh, they had the transfer in Adam Arroyo. They're just ready to go here. Come playoff time, seems like they do this every single year, and they're kind of locked and loaded for a deep run this year. I really think they're going to have a good chance to be successful here. And, you know, it all it all starts with with the first game they run into Beckman, which is another stacked team and who I like and enjoy watching. And wow, what a first game! And that that actually is might be my game on Thursday to go to. Yeah, that <laughs> there's a there's a few of those first round games where you just say wow, right? <laughs> I, I love that reaction. That that was awesome. You know, the one guy that you that you didn't mention that for Capital Valley that's quietly had a really good year is, is Chad Call, the transfer from Modern Day. He's uh, he, he's been uh, a pretty good plug and play uh, insertion guy there for them. Uh, he's done really well um, uh, since coming over from from Modern Day. One of the other stories for me is, is Harvard Westlake. Uh, though you know they they. I saw them against um, Notre Dame Sherman Oaks last week when when Notre Dame won the 
the Mission League there, you know, they're in that same little pod, if you will, as Olu and Corona and Vista Marietta. You know, but if they're able to get by Valencia, they'll go on the road because of that loss, which might actually help them because they'll go on the road against uh, Valencia. And if they're able to get past that, uh, they're likely to have a home game uh, against uh, Vista Marietta if they win or a coin toss against Ayala for a home game. So, uh, you know, things I think it's going to be a little interesting because their bats got a little cold the other day, but they certainly have with uh, with uh, Laboki on the mound. You know, they'll have a chance to win any game. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. They also got an uncommitted shortstop over there, Tyler Cox, who, who who showed well at the national high school championship out in North Carolina, and they're they're stacked and ready to go too. Last my my, my team that that I'm looking at, I don't know if you want to call them a sleeper team, uh, is Gar, and and they're a team that's been up and down all year. I went in really early uh, in the preseason because I really like who uh, who they feature. Uh, they really struggled in league this year and seemed to be catching uh, ca- catching fire at the end of the year, which is the perfect time. So they're going to be a team really, really tough to beat. Hopefully their pitching does stand up. Of course, they got J.J. Cruz, Matt Polk, uh, Stevens over there, and they're just a, uh, Tyrese Turner, an Oregon commit. They're going to be really tough. I think Those are senior guys. Uh, obviously, Polk isn't, but... A uh, couple senior guys over there that that, uh, that display good leadership, and they might be a tough team to beat uh, in this one this year. Yeah, no doubt. They, they have a ton, a ton of athleticism and talent, as you mentioned, and you're right. The pitching may be uh, one of the questions. So, all right, that's a perfect transition, though. We're going to go – each one of us is going to pick two sleepers in, in Division One, so let's try to go one from the top bracket, one from the bottom bracket. Uh, who's your sleeper in the top eight, and then who's your sleeper in the bottom eight uh, to make a run here? Well, I I don't know if I ruined it, but I you know I just talked about Gar, and they're my sleeper team for all the reasons uh, aforementioned that, uh, that they're going to be really tough, um, you know, moving forward here. Okay. Gotcha. All right. All right. So you're going with Gar. I'm going to go with Ukaipa. Ukaipa's got Edison at home in the first round. Then they'll face the winner of Foothill versus West Ranch, two, two pretty good teams. Uh, and, and then if they're able to get past that, you know, they'll have, uh, you know, Cypress, Servite, Beckman, or Capo Valley. So I'm going to go with Ukaipa to make a run here because they're starting to get some pitching outside of Tyson Heaton. And if they're able to do that, you know, they've got enough offense, I think, to uh, to make a run. We'll be right back with head coach John Weber from Cypress High School. Welcome back to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. Uh, I am pleased to, to be joined by my next guest. He is a 300-game winner. He's in the 14th year as head coach at Cypress High School. Uh, they won CIF in 05 and 2013. Uh, his team has won a dozen league titles, um, joined by none other than head coach John Weber. Webb, thanks for making time. Really appreciate you coming on this morning. No problem. Thanks for having me, Les. 
Yeah, man. Well, with the the, bla- the brackets just came out less than an hour ago, and we'll hop into that. But before we do that, let's talk about your team. Uh, really strong season, twenty six and three. We have you guys ranked number two in the Power Twenty Five. You guys won yet another Empire League uh, title. Uh, what kind of happened this year? When did you know that this year, you know, had a chance to be as special as it has been so far? Honestly, probably uh, three years ago. You know, th- this is a group that um, was a lot like my 2013 group, where um, quite a few guys started as sophomores for us. And uh, and so that was the same case with this. You know, you have uh, Rapetti started as a sophomore. Murphy started as a sophomore. Chafee started as a sophomore. Marsh started as a sophomore. Rio started as a freshman. Um, so you knew you had a good nucleus of kids if we could, you know, get them better and get them to play as better teammates and to play as a group. That uh, There were some pieces of the puzzle, uh, you know, four years ago, really when they were freshmen playing on the JV team for the most of them. So you knew it was going to happen, you know. The irony with this group is that three years ago, um, we, as a record-wise, we had the worst record we've ever had at Cyprus. Normally, we win at least 20 games a year. That's kind of the goal, right, for us anyway. Uh, or we have been, I should say, not that it's a goal or what have you. But we've won 20 games a year. But three years ago, we won 17 ball games with the same group for the most part. And then uh, last year, they won 24 or whatever it was. And then now we're at, you know, 26 and hopefully going with this group. So it, it's been uh, – you know, an obvious group to pretty talented group for the last, you know, three, four years. You know, and one thing I liked what you did this year was you really challenged this team with your schedule. And, you know, what was the, the mindset there? Was that kind of done, you know, with, the, with, hey, this is a loaded group. We've known it for three years. We want to challenge these guys and see how far we can go sort of thing. Or, or what was the mindset with the schedule you put together this year? Well, well, the only thing that's different this year than last year is the National Classic or the Boris. Um, Every year, my focus is is to challenge our group to the best of our abilities. So much so that uh, I've created my own tournament. That's Saturday El Dorado State Classic Tournament, which is um, only has Division One teams in it. And then um, I always play a doubleheader against El Toro and a doubleheader against Orange Lutheran. Um, And so that's always been our schedule. This year, we just happen to play in the Boris. Um, versus the National Classic, um, which, you know, concurrently has a little bit better teams than the National Classic does. I think that's why our record, our, 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 our schedule looks a little bit better. But I would put our schedule up to anybody's schedule um, year in, year out uh, with what we put on, the, you know, what we schedule. Sometimes teams are a little down. Sometimes teams are a little better than you think. But we try to play the best teams that we possibly can year in, year out. And, and how does that how does that set you up? Because, you know, on the surface, your league, it's kind of one of those leagues where, you know, yeah. one year you have three or four teams that are really, really good. And then you have another year where you have one, maybe two teams. So, you know, how, how do you how do you get your guys up for um, going to playing, say, a doubleheader against El Toro or Olu, like you talked about, to going and playing a team in your league who, you know, may not be up to that level just yet? Well, that's all. If I had a, a an answer, a magical answer for that question, I, I would bottle it up and sell it. Um, that, you know, it's it, that's been the Achilles' heel here at Cyprus, honestly, in my tenure here, 
that we have no problem ever getting, uh, and this is no offense to anybody in our league or anybody that's not on the same level as an Orange Lutheran, an El Dorado, uh, I mean, an El Toro, you know, the, the, the playing anybody in the Trinity leagues, we always play at least two or three of those guys too every year. Um, you know, it, it's, that, that's always been a difficult task for our kids um, to, to get them to, to compete at that level all the time. I don't have to give any rah-rah speeches. I never do anyway, but I never have to when we're playing those guys. Those kids are ready to rock and roll. Um, I do have to remind our group quite frequently when we're playing teams that are lesser, quote-unquote lesser, than those other teams. Um, and and that's, that's a struggle always. I think, I think I'm not the only coach that has to deal with that, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's kind of the nature of the beast in today's yeah. today's world. Uh, so, Webb, let let's shift gears. Let's let's talk the playoffs. Okay, that 2013 magical run for you guys. Um, you know, winning it all there in, in Dodger Stadium. Uh, this year, we're going to shift gear. That was was that D two? That was a D two title. Yeah. Or was that a D? Yeah. Okay. So that was D two. You since moved up to D. We look at the brackets here, and this is just an absolutely loaded loaded uh you know bracket right i mean there's something like 19 first place teams uh you know 30 automatic bids yeah you got two wild card teams and and the wild card teams are san clemente and servite who you guys will face off against in the opening round so welcome you go 26 and 3 you win your league you get the number two seed overall and here's your trinity league opponent so let's talk about the postseason what makes i mean i think we just described it right there but the division one playoffs in my opinion is the hardest championship to win in the state in any sport do you agree or disagree i i absolutely agree and i would even go so far as to say that it's not even just relegated to division one high school baseball in southern california is stupendously good um high school baseball in southern california unfortunately has a one-and-done system and you know when you start thinking about Playing at night, start thinking about playing at Miracosta, who has an awkward field that's turf infield and grass outfield um, and has things in the way and the restrictions to the dugouts and people will stand in the way. And, I mean, there's so kinds of so many different variations and variables within this uh, crazy game um, that uh, um, it is hard at any level in, in Southern California. I don't care if it's Division 7 or Division 1. It's all very difficult no doubt. But when you look at the loaded teams, per se, Division One is a gauntlet, without a doubt. So, as mentioned, oh, as mentioned, you are in Division One here with the number two seed overall, number one seed, obviously going to Orange Lutheran, as we talked about. But you know, you guys face off against Servite. The winner of that will play the winner of Capital Valley, who happened to win Division One last year, against Beckman, who was the runner-up in Division Two. So if you look at that little four-team pool, if you will, that little pod, man, that that's just it's brutal. It's it's absolutely a brutal bracket. But Webb, let's talk about that. You you talked about winning is going to be hard in any division in Southern California. Is there something that can be done? Do you think to the playoff system that can you know give us a truer sense of a you know true champion, if you will? 
Yes, for sure. I, these are things I've been on the CIF advisory committee for, I don't know, six or seven years now. I've been in high school baseball for 14 years. I came from the college background. And in the college background, um, you, you, uh, you know, they just seeded the teams. It didn't matter what league you came from. We have lots of, uh, un- unfortunately, lots of variations that go into the way that they seed teams and the, and the way that they, the, br- the brackets are done. Uh, and there's a lot of things that need to be done. First and foremost, not being able to play a league opponent until the quarterfinals. That really um, changes incredibly the way that the, the brackets are done. They seeded the teams one through 32. You'd get a completely different bracket. Um, but there's these variations that you can't be in the same quadrant. Uh, you know, I just got off the phone with Rob Wygod um, and talking about, you know, the survey and us playing in the first round, um, you know, which, you know, people can argue back and forth with that. However, you know, you have, uh, that's what they, that's what they deemed was the, was the right call. And so be it. And we have to move, move through that. But, you know, part of that is that they have to be away from Lawrence Lutheran. They have to then be away from Jay Sarah, uh, and and these other parameters that go into it. Um, so you're never going to get, you're never going to ever get, in high school baseball in Southern California, a true correct bracket to the best of their abilities, a correct bracket. They're just doing the best they can under the difficult parameters they have. And if we got rid of some of those, you would see things much. So I, I like what you said there with the model of the, uh, the collegiate model with just kind of seating everybody and, and just kind of going out and playing the games. I think that's a really intriguing model. And what do you, what do you web, you know, I was in Fresno a couple of weeks ago covering the Easter classic and, you know, the prevailing thought from the coaches that I was talking to up there is that a state playoff is coming at some point and in some form or fashion. What are your thoughts on that? Um, and, you know, what do you feel about having to make the run in Division One CIF Southern Section and then potentially having to turn around and go into a state playoff? Well, first of all, um, on a personal level, we just talked about this Friday as a whole committee. Uh, as On a personal level, I'm not for it, to be honest with you. For, for various reasons. Uh, one, no offense to anybody else in the entire country or state for that matter. Uh, but if you win Division One in Southern CIF section, you could arguably say that whoever wins that is arguably the national champion, let alone the state champion. But that's no offense to anyone in Central California or Northern California. Uh, the, the, the level of baseball down here is, is, is so incredible. Uh, one. Two... Um, I think as a, as a, as a, I don't know, there was like 75 people that are on the CIF advisory committee. And I, and I think that almost everybody was on the same page as me with the thought that they really didn't want to do that. Um, you know, we're going to be at the end of the school year. They've already moved the schedule up. So at least we're not going to graduate before the playoffs are done. But quite frankly, I don't know how many kids are going to be wanting to do it. You know, you have you have college kids who now are going out and playing college ball in the summertime now. You know, seniors that are that are going to Cal State Fullerton or whatever, some kids we have on our team, you know, they're going all the way back to David Fletcher playing in Alaska. He didn't even he didn't even go to his graduation. He left to go play in uh, collegiate baseball in the summer. You're gonna have some of those issues. You're gonna have lots of different issues, administration issues. Um I just think that um you know, if if we were doing something differently in this state, 
because that was also brought up. It was, well, hey, you know, everyone else in the in the country is doing it. And my argument to that was everybody else in the country is running an actual bracket. They're, they're playing a two-game elimination bracket like we should be doing, but we're not doing that. And when you're doing a one-and-done scenario, it doesn't want to lend itself really in baseball. They didn't even want to go on and play after that. Um, and that's my opinion. If we were doing a two out of three scenario all the way through, and then it kind of got you, you know, ready to rock and roll to, to play a state thing, then I think it would be more advantageous and people would, more people would want to do it. I just don't think it's something that I would like to do. I want to get done with the season, uh, hopefully as a winner and then, uh, win in the last game and then ready to move on in the summer. Let's let's stay there for a second, Webb, because you brought up something that was really interesting there, the, the double elimination format, right? So we saw the L.A. City section go to an open division champ. We've seen San Diego section go to an open division champ where, you know, they basically take the top eight teams and they put them in a double elimination format. And, you know, last year, Eastlake, they lost their first game and they made it all the way to the championship game. So uh, just, you know, help show their depth, right? It's not a one-and-done situation. Do you think that's something that's feasible for the Southern section? Well, we we, we put it together um, a year, two years ago, and that was something that was supposed to actually happen. What was proposed to happen, not proposed, what was told to us as a CF advisory committee that was going to happen was that we were going to basically combine divisions one and two. Right now, the way it works in Southern California, in our section, is we have about 42 teams that are slated as division one teams. Then you have about, I don't know, don't quote me, but about 60 teams that are slated as division two teams. They were going to combine division one and two, so that way we weren't adding a division. We were going to call it an open division, or you could call it a division one. So you would go the whole year basically with, uh, if you take what, 60 and 40, let's just call it a hundred teams, they would all be slated as one dash two division. And then at the end of the, the year, like coming up to now, we would then seed the top 16 teams and it would be 16, not 32, like it is now for division one. And we would take those top 16 teams and we would seed them um, to, as accordingly, and then we would make them the division one and everyone else would fall back into division two. And then we were going to do that as a two game elimination situation. However, something at the CIF office changed and that was not afforded us the opportunity. Oh, that's brutal. Cause that sounds like the exact format that every coach I talk to is looking to have, right? Is that top kind of, you know, that top group in a double elimination format. And, and then you have, you know, everybody else kind of doing their thing in the same style format. And is that something do you think that is still on the table? Is that something that is just long gone now? Or, or is it, are, are we kind of stuck? Not to, I won't say stuck, but are we are where we are because of the number of teams, the area of the Southern section, meaning like, I mean, it's San Clemente to San Luis Obispo, um, you know, and then everything in between. I, I mean, are we just kind of where we are? And, and do you see any change coming to the playoff system anytime soon? Well, I would love to tell you that I'm optimistic, but I've been on the CIF advisory committee for a while and I can tell you that I'm not very optimistic. Um, I would love to see change. I think everybody that's in the room would love to see change. Um, but I don't know. You know, all I can tell you from my personal honest opinion is that the truth of the matter is that baseball is a non-revenue sport. And 
it really boils down to that. If we're not making money, then there's not going to be a lot of changes to really help the sport grow the way it needs to grow, in my opinion. You look at water polo, you look at uh, basketball, you look at football, you look at uh, any of these gate sports, track and field. Uh, did I say volleyball? Um, and they all have these open divisions and they all have these same kind of situations. And all we were trying to do was follow their format. Uh, well, it's not like we were trying to create something new in baseball. We were trying to do what everyone else is doing and everyone else is able to do, but we're not able to do um, with that. I mean, you could go so far because you brought them up in San Diego. San Diego has seven divisions. We in Southern California in the Southern section have seven divisions. They have, don't quote me, they have like 132 total teams. We have 500 and something teams. Just that on itself does not make any sense to anybody. How is it we only have seven divisions with 500 and something teams that qualify? San Diego has seven divisions with 130 teams or whatever it is. That just doesn't even make sense. So we are we're not where we need to be. That's for darn sure. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate the insight on that because it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, you're right. That last point you brought up with the number of divisions, that alone, you would think uh, it would be something that's addressed uh, you know, sooner rather than later, simply to improve the, the overall product, right? Right. I would think so. Yeah, well... Well, as it stands, uh, Webb, you are slated to take on Servite at home. In yes, the first, sir. In the first round. Uh, you know, we want to wish you the best of luck. want to thank you for coming on, um, you know, making time today. Obviously, a busy day with the brackets coming out today. You got to get practice schedules ready and all that stuff. So, again, I'm, I'm really came on. Uh, but I uh, want to wish you the best of luck, Webb. And, you know, we'll be talking to you real soon. Hopefully, it's at the end of the season when you're holding a trophy. That would be nice. No doubt about it. Thank you, Les. Thanks for having me. I always uh, appreciate, uh, you know, your insight and uh, what you do for high school athletics, man, in particular baseball. So keep doing what you're doing. And thanks, man. Sweet, buddy. Appreciate it. We'll talk real soon. We'll be right back with head coach Benji Madour from Huntington Beach High School. Welcome back to the show. I'm really pleased to have this next guest with us. He's in his 19th season at Huntington Beach High School. I uh, just got his 300th win earlier this season. Uh, the Oilers won the 2015 CIF Division I Championship. Uh, I'm joined by none other than uh, head coach Benji Madur. Benji, man, really appreciate you coming on. I know the brackets just came out about an hour ago. You're probably running around uh, busy as all heck, but uh, really appreciate you coming on and making some time. Thank you for having me, Les. I appreciate it. Actually, you got me out of the classroom for a little bit. I was, you know, molding uh, math minds here at the high school level. I know how that, how important that is to the world. But uh, the CIF championship bracket and talking about that is a little more important at this point. <laughs> love it, love it, uh, Benji. So you guys coming off, uh, you know, 22 and six regular season, and we have you guys ranked number four in the state. Uh, you guys come into the postseason with the number four seed, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. You guys was kind of a little bit of an interesting start there for you this season, huh? And then you guys really just sun, seemed to turn it around and, I mean, just kind of rolled through league and, and, and some other big time uh, events. Well, I will say that the, 
you know, with the, the start of the season and the rain and everything else, I think it was an interesting start for everybody. You know, we were, everybody's playing in different locations. We were trying to get our, we're just trying to get practice time, you know, and I think, uh, we started with Olu, a doubleheader, um, and then we played a tough, you know, team from Bellarmine coming down from San Jose. Um, we played a, a game against Jay Sarah on a Tuesday where we started at three o'clock and started getting dark in the fifth. Um, and then we go into the Boris and, and I, I don't know who we made mad to, uh, to get La Mirada in the first round and get Jones thrown against us. But, um, you know, it's just, we're going, we are going from tough game to tough game to tough game. And it was, it was, it's really has made us who we are right now as a team. You know, the, the, the competition that we played earlier in this year has really made us a tough team. And, and I like where we are going in the playoffs and, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And, and hopefully we, we can continue this uh, tough way of playing. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that, that starts probably really shaped who you guys are. And you know, I saw you guys against Newport Harbor and and in a game that started off pretty close, and then you know, next thing you know, your bats got hot. And that seems to be, um, you know, in addition to Han and Pelk and Ramirez and all the guys you have on on the mound there. The lineup, the offensive lineup, is one of the better ones um, in in the Southern section. Why don't you take us through some of those guys in your lineup? Well, I mean, and it all depends on on who the other team is throwing, and and we have a lot of depth, and I think that's um, a testament to our kids and and their work ethic. But you know, the, the typical lineup would be um, with Jag Burton leading off right now. Um, he's he's kind of come in to the leadoff spot in the last three weeks. Um, he's committed to Cal, a left-handed hitter. He just does a really good job of of taking what's given to him, and and his on-base percentage is in the upper fours, and he just does a really good job of setting the stage. Um, then you have Vogel coming up, Jake Vogel going to UCLA. He's our center fielder, and he actually hasn't played the last two weeks because of a sprained ankle, but he's he's back in there, and um, you know, a guy that's just an electric bat, and he could hit the ball out to any part of the field, and um, just a great guy to have in front of. Josh Hahn and Josh Hahn's our three hole hitter. And, um, with Vogel ahead of him and Vogel and Jag speed, it's going to give Josh some more fastballs. And if you're throwing Josh fastballs, then, um, he's going to be able to do the damage that he's done. Um, but then protecting Josh is Barrera. Brett Barrera is going to Stanford and big right-handed bat. Um, and so it, it's pretty tough. The first four hitters, you know, you, you feel like you're done and, and you're not, you know, you, you feel like you, you win one of the battles, but you still got to face this other kid that's coming up. And, um, I think that our, our kids really make pitchers work. Um, and if we're not going to get you the first time around, we're going to get you the second or the third. And, um, that's, that's been our mentality all year long. You know, you just put together good at bats and even if you strike out or you ground out or you pop up or whatever, we, we want to make the pitcher feel like, dang, that was tough. You know, that was, that was tough. And, and then we're going to get them the next time. So, um, but after, you know, as we go down the lineup, we have people like Cole Minato, who's going to Gonzaga in the five hole, Cole DeMarco, um, who has come on as our DH, a left hand, a big left-handed bat who, um, is going to go to Ole Miss and try to walk on, um, but has been huge down the stretch for us. And then you get into either up still who's going to San Francisco state or Kenny Takata is going to Cal state San Marcos. And, you know, everyone in our lineup, um, can do some damage. And, um, you know, that is without Eddie Pelk and Eddie Pelk was going to be a staple in our lineup 
probably in the leadoff spot, but hurt his hand and has not played the entire year. He's only pitched. Um, so we're missing one of our huge bats in the lineup. And so guys have just stepped up and done a great job. Talked about that mentality of, uh, you know, taking pitches and making pitchers work and, and doing that sort of thing. And I've been watching your team now for, gosh, about 10 years now and your teams. And that seems to be a staple. Is that just something you want to ingrain in your guys from, you know, the first day they step on, on you know, on foot on campus there? Uh, I mean, just really make pitchers work and wear those guys out yeah and our hitting coach is unbelievable he is um his name's jeff rizek he's from wake forest university he's an alumni of huntington beach and the first day these kids step into our program they're they're handed basically a, a hitting philosophy and it's just something that they have to buy into and and you know the the biggest part or the one takeaway that i i get that gives me the chills even talking about is that the pitcher is going to feel damaged after an at bat that's what we want to make him feel whether it's not result oriented you know we want we don't want to say you know you you get a base hit or you hit a home run or whatever we're up there to damage the pitcher in any way shape or form whether it's to um, hit a ball hard or to make him work or to make him throw pitches um, we're going to be the toughest at bat we can possibly we're going to give the toughest at bat we possibly can give we're going to grind through it and that's that's coach Rizaki's mantra and it really it really sticks to the kids and and uh, they do a good job of of doing that especially at the varsity level it's kind of that football mentality isn't it like a, a little you know, bit it's like when, when the defensive coordinator says listen uh, you know we're not gonna let that guy beat us that quarterback you know we're gonna let him let him know who we are sort of deal right and it's it's kind of that attitude what you just carried over into and, and at-bats. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I don't want to, you know, Huntington Beach, you think of Huntington Beach, think about palm trees and, and surfing and everything else. And we, we, it's taken years to kind of break that stigma of just, hey, we're some e- easygoing surfer dudes. And we, we're not that. We're a pretty blue-collar town. And um, we want to use that blue-collar mentality when we're we're hitting and we're going after you. And we, we, we will never appear soft as a baseball team, especially at the plate. You know, we're going to, we want to be physical and we want to be tough and we want to be tough minded. And, and, you know, it's taken a long time to instill that in our kids, but um, it's gotten to a point where, you know, we, we have that mentality going to the plate every time we step in the box. Take us through that process, Benji, because you're right. I mean, you think of Huntington Beach, you think of that perception, right? The, the surfer guys, and sure, you, I'm sure a handful of guys on your team surf, but oh, when, yeah. you watch, when you watch those guys on a baseball field, you're not saying, oh, that's you know, that's that that soft surfer guy over there. What was that process like? How how difficult was that process to kind of change the culture there and really kind of shift? the momentum in that Huntington beach fountain Valley area where now Huntington beach, you know, stadium aside is a de- desirable location to go play baseball. Right. You know, my, my first year was in 2001 and, um, the, the head coach, coach Dodd, who's a legend, you know, uh, resigned the, in the middle of the season the year before. So I was basically, I was a 25 year old kid, um, never been a head coach before I'd come from Riverside poly, which is a great baseball program. Um, and I was used to winning. And when I got there, these kids were used to losing. And, um, it was, it wasn't, we, we never expected to win. We were just trying to not lose, you know, that was the mentality It was just try not to lose. 
Um, and it was tough. It was super tough. And we had to, you know, you had to pick and choose your battles throughout the years. Just try to figure out what is this culture here? You know, why, why is the culture, um, with such a a losing stigma? And I remember being in a coaches meeting, all the head coaches in in the high school where it was my first year and they were talking about releaguing and, and, and one of the coaches, I don't want to name his name, but one of the coaches said, look, we got to get out of this league. And he looked at me and he pointed his finger at me and he said, you know what? You're never going to win the Sunset League um, here at Huntington. So we need to switch leagues. And I and I didn't really know him all that well. And I said, look, I, the only reason why one of the main reasons why I came to Huntington Beach is to be in the Sunset League is to compete against the Esperanza and the Fountain Valley and Edison's. And I don't want to change leagues. And I said, with all due respect, don't tell me what I'm going to lose or I'm going to win or whatever. You know, we're going to win this league title. And he kind of brushed me aside like, yeah, whatever. Um, and we won in 2004. And that kind of started um, our, it kind of started the success a little bit. There were some lean years there, but then we went to the finals in 2009. And since then, um, the success has kind of filtered down into the little leagues. Our little league won the little league world series in 2011 that had Hagen and Prado and those guys. And, um, it, we basically just got into the little leagues and, and established our brand. Um, and since that's happened, we started to get better players. We got a lot of coaches on campus, um, and we just stay on top of them daily. We are on top of these kids in, in every aspect of their life from grades to, you know, how they present themselves out in the community and that kind of thing. And it's just, we've lived it, uh, you know, coach Springston, coach Rizeki, coach Bernstein and I, we've lived it for the last, you know, 12 years. And we've just made it a priority to, to get these kids tough. Well, it certainly it certainly came to pass there for you at the in 2015, right, where you guys won it all uh, yeah. with, the, with the with the with the roster, some pretty pretty talented roster there. You know that was a, a you know, somewhat senior heavy laden group there. Uh, you know, but what was that experience like, and how much of that experience do have you used since on other teams? going into the postseason um the crazy thing with that i mean that lineup and that team was unbelievable with amaral abadessa paulson danner cooper moore uh, tyler murray um chad Minato. everyone in that lineup went to a division one school crazy i mean crazy and the yeah, pitching was noah davis noah davis hagan danner um, you know, and, and Paulson were our three-headed monster going to the playoffs. I mean, it, I look back and I'm like, yeah, no wonder why we won CIF. <laughs> you know, if we would have lost that year, I should have gotten fired. Um, but you know, the philosophy that year, I swear to you, I was so hard on those guys about hitting the ball on the ground. And it has changed so much in the last couple of years with our hitting philosophy of now where it's like, don't hit the ball and get the ball up in the air. Let's, you know, we, we are a big, and whether this is going to really insult my high school coach, if he's listening right now, he's going to come after me. But he, he came up to me the other day. He's like, you're not in this launch angle stuff, are you? And I couldn't, I didn't have the nerve to say that. <laughs> I didn't want to tell him that, yeah, coach, we're all about launch angle. You know, we don't want to hit the ball on the ground at all. I said, no, coach, don't worry about it. You know, we still hit line drives and ground balls, I swear. Um, but we yeah, don't. Have, have, you been to, have you been to our yard, coach? I know. That's what I did tell him. I said, but you know what? Getting the ball up in the air at our place is not that bad. It's 275 down the line. You know, it's, it's a crackerjack box. Um, but it is, it's, it's totally different. We bunted a lot that year. We, we stole a lot of bases that year. And I think, 
you know, it's just all about your personnel and what you can do. And, and the last couple of years, we've had some pretty big physical kids um, who can get the ball out of the park. Um, and so we've kind of adapted to that. So answering your question, um, you know, they, we're still Huntington Beach and we still play hard and we still do the same things that we did in the CIF championship game. But our hitting philosophy is a lot different. Um you know, it's just one of those things that you just have to adjust your personnel. Um, but, uh, you know, we still fundamentally are, are, are the same. You know, we're going to get after you and, and the same belief system, but it's just a little different technique. Yeah, so then well, now you're heading into the 2019 postseason, number four seed overall in the Division One bracket, which, Benji, you look at this and you, you just say, holy smokes, the winner of this thing is going to need a vacation, right? I mean, this, yes. thing, this thing is brutal, man. I mean, top to bottom. When, when, when your two wild card or at-large teams are Servite and San Clemente, you, you know it's a gauntlet. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm laughing, but it's like I had a sick feeling in my stomach all morning long because it doesn't matter who we get. It doesn't matter who it, – it, because it's ridiculous top to bottom. Um, and that is – and when this is, with all due respect to – um, you know, other sections of California, but other states of Florida and Texas and Georgia. I'm sorry, the best baseball in America is here in Southern California. Uh, it, hands down, it is. You know, and and the the testament to that is the North, the the NHSI. How many times a Southern California team has won that? But then the Boris. Uh, the Boris tournament that that Brett puts on it's it's incredible the amount of talent that's in that tournament and the, you know I'm looking at the bracket and I'm seeing all those teams that were in the Boris are are in the CIF you know in this little tournament that we have for CIF um, it, this is crazy you know and I feel for Cyprus and I feel for Olu and I feel for myself you know with more Park holy moly um, you know the 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 quality of teams that are in this thing are incredible, and so yeah, I agree with you. At the end of this, um, someone's going to have to take a, a, a Hawaiian vacation to get away from it, just to kind of to uh, relieve their stress. Yeah, no, no, no doubt there. I mean, this is it's just unbelievable. I was talking to John Weber about it a little bit earlier, and 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 he's just flabbergasted by it. But let's talk about the setup a little bit, Benji, for of the playoffs. You know, it's one and done. That obviously gets a ton of conversation this time of year. Uh, you know, there's I was in Fresno a couple of weeks ago for the Fresno Easter Classic, and the thought process up there the prevailing thought i should say is that a state championship is coming as 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 a, as a high school coach in cif southern section division one is that something that you would like to see or would you like to see maybe some modifications to what they're doing in the southern section one or the other or both i i would i would love to see a state championship game um i would love to see a double elimination tournament for the cia for at least division one and and maybe that's the thing maybe that um we start off with division one and see if we can do it that way and then you know maybe go double elimination for for all the divisions but i just can't believe that we are in a place where baseball is like i said earlier is the best in america the best in america and we can't figure out a way of making a double elimination happen, you know, like San Diego, they have double elimination, every other state in America, double elimination, Florida, double elimination. Like why I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it other than, um, 
we just can't figure it out. I mean, I think we can model someone else's, um, the way they do. We can model the way San Diego does it, um, and try to, and try to put that in. But you know, what it comes down to is there's going to be some teams left out. It's kind of like the BCS and, you know, in college football, there's going to be teams that are going to be on the outside looking in and it could be us. And, you know, I may be, I may be ticked off in a couple of years that I didn't make it in. Um, but to be honest with you, so then let's just be better. Let's, let's be a better team and try to get in there. And, you know, there's, there's no way that in a baseball game or a baseball championship can be decided a single elimination. And, I guarantee I wouldn't have been complaining about that in 2013 when we beat modern day in the first round because we had no business beating them and a second game or a third game. I'd be like, Whoa, no way. I don't want to, you know, we won our game. Let's get out of here kind of thing. Um, but you know, like in 2017 when we had Prado and Danner, you know, I would have, I would have put that team against anyone in America in the double elimination series. Um, so, you know, it's just, I, I just think it's fair to, do a double elim and figure out a way of doing it. I think that's that should be next year or in the next couple of years. We should be going to that. But with that being said, the early start puts us in a position to do a state championship game. You know, and I think that um, you know that would be an awesome thing to be able to combine both north and south and see what we can see what we can come up with there. You know, one of the one of the kind of models that came up that in conversation recently was doing a you know taking uh, your 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 group of teams in Division One, popping out the top sixteen, and doing an open division double elimination format with them, and then you have the rest of the teams in a single elimination style format. You call that the open division, whatever you want, and then you, you move on with it. But I, I I agree with you. You know, it's one of the most difficult championships to win in all the sports. But it just seems, you know, I mean, somebody at the end of the day is only one champion, but there's somebody who's going to be a 25 game winner, potentially, who could lose in the first or second round of the postseason and not have a chance to really kind of fulfill, you know, the, their potential of that season. Uh, it just seems it just seems not right. Right. And, and that's, and you know, we, we are so used to it, um, now in the CF Southern section and just like, yeah, one and done, you know, that's just the way it is. And everyone has their horror stories of how they got clipped, you know, in the first or second round, like last year, you know, we, we had a five, nothing lead in the, in the seventh against those Pueblos and, and we got clipped up and they, you know, they hit a grand slam and tied it and they ended up beating us. Um, but you know, and we went home and season's over and that's it. You know, and and that's a tough thing to swallow um, for baseball because, and I and no disrespect to Dos Pueblos, they earned it and they deserved it. But I thought we were a good enough team to at least get a second shot. You know, baseball is one of those sports where you know the ball could be bouncing wrong that day. You get an umpire that may have a little slightly bigger zone or whatever. You know, like two out of three really will even out the playing field. It really will show you know, what team's the better team. Um, so if we did go open division in a 16 team format and we went like a four team regional, you know, and you, and you, you squeezed out four teams out of the 16 and, and you had to win your regional pod or whatever, like now you're starting to figure out who the best program is, you know, not just the best team on that day or not just who had a lucky inning or whatever, or or who benefited from a call or a a good call or a bad call. Now you're doing a four team regional and, and you got to win your regional you're really figuring out who the better 
program is. Um, and then you can decide a champion from there. And, and then I think people will feel better about it. You know, that gives, gives everyone an opportunity to kind of show their total depth, you know, and that really, you know, that's what it comes down to. You can't just ride one guy throughout the whole playoffs. Um, you really have to show what you have as a, as a team. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's really what we're, we're after here is trying to figure out who the best team is, uh, not just who's the hottest. Yeah, one one last question for you, Benji, and, and the argument I hear from, uh, you know, some parents, from some coaches, even some, from some administrators is, you know, if you go to a two out of three model, you know, then you're not obviously going to get, you know, the stadiums, right, Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium for these championship games and, and this and that. And, and, and you know, my, my, my response generally is, you know, so what? Right. Like, I get it that not all of these kids are going to play beyond high school and are going to have an opportunity to do that. But I think all of these kids are competitive enough to the point where they would want to identify a true champion, then have the opportunity to just go play at Dodger Stadium. I think they, they would be a little more proud to win a title knowing that they won two out of three than just winning a game at Dodger Stadium. Totally agree. Totally agree. And then when we played, uh, uh, we played at Anaheim Stadium in 2009. I mean, other than the field being immaculate and whatever, um, and I actually stood where Mike Sosha stood, you know, and which is amazing because I couldn't even see over that green pad where he I, he's so tall. I, it's like <laughs> I can't even freaking see the field. Um, it was. It's basically. It's really not that big of a deal to play there because none of the seats are filled. It's. It's like. It, it's almost like harder to play there. Uh, you're not really playing the same game that you normally would play. It's not a real high school baseball game when you're playing in the stadium like that. Um, so why don't we play at Great Park in Irvine? Why don't we play? You know, at uh, Hart Park or you know Cal State Fullerton or UC Irvine or you know, anywhere. I did. Doesn't matter. Geez, if we could play two out of three against the best competition in America, I don't care where we play. You know, as long as the playing surface is is a good playing surface, I don't really care what the the stands look like or or who. You know, I don't care about any of that. You know, who cares about Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, and and I don't even know where the CIF Championship game is this year. And I don't even know if CIF knows. <laughs> so it's really, it's obviously not that big of a deal if we haven't locked it down yet. So why don't we go double elimination and play it at Great Park in Irvine and, you know, and make this thing right. You know, that's, I think that's, that should be CIF's goal. Let's get this right. Let's get a double elimination going and, and uh, let's pick the, and let's get the best team to win the CIF championship. I can't can't agree with you more. I sat at three games last year at Championship Saturday at Cal State Fullerton, and they, one got better than the next. And by the night by the night game, that D one game, it was standing room only, and it was awesome. Just a great, right. great environment. Just right. a great environment. Well, hey Benji, I thank you so much, man, for coming on. Uh, I know that it's kind of crazy right now with with playoffs getting released and uh, this whole deal, uh, but I, I just want to say thanks for coming on today, man, and wish you nothing but the best of luck here in the playoffs. Uh, and uh, next time I talk to you, I hope it's uh, after you've won a ring, man. I, I well, that would be great. Thanks, Les. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. All right, Benji, take care, bud. We'll be right back with head coach Eric Borba from Orange Lutheran High School. Welcome back to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. I'm pleased to be joined by my next guest. He is in his 11th year at Orange Lutheran High School. He has 400 
career wins, over 400 career wins, excuse me, 228 of those at Orange Lutheran. His back-to-back Trinity League titles, uh, obviously three-time NHSI titles. Uh, Treat to have you on, Coach. Uh, Coach Eric Borba is our guest. Thanks for coming on, bud. Hey, Les, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, awesome. So let's let's jump on in. Let's talk about your team. We have you number one in the state. Many publications have you number one in the country. Rightfully so. I mean, you guys, 25 and four, um, you know, you guys are just loaded this year, top to bottom. And and against that schedule, uh, that says quite a bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about your team so far this year. Yeah, it's been quite a ride. I mean, uh, just unbelievable. When we put this schedule together and then we looked at it before the season started, you know, we were thinking if we can go 500 with this schedule and get in the playoffs, it'd be a pretty darn good year with the with the uh, schedule that it was, the teams that we lined up against and whatnot. And this team has just uh, continued to amaze me. And if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year we were going to be 25 and four at this point, I would have kind of laughed and probably lost a lot of money if I was a gambling man. But uh, it's been it's been quite a ride. These guys have have uh, you know dealt with some adversity through the year. We had a ton of injuries early. Um, we went on the road. I mean, I think we only had eight or nine home games this year. So we played on the road a ton against some of the best teams, not just in the state of California, but across the country. And, uh, it's just really, I think shows the depth of our team. I mean, it starts with our pitching staff. Our pitching staff has put up numbers that, um, are video game like, and, you know, we've in those 29 games, we have a team ERA of 0.89. I mean, it's, it's, it's just spectacular to go out there. And I think it's taken some of the pressure off our offense because we know if we can score, you know, two, three runs in a game, we're going to have a really good chance to win that game. And you go back, I mean, opening day, we played Huntington Beach. We gave up eight runs in the first game of the year. And total in, in 29 games, we've only given up 40 runs. So if you think about that, in the last 28 games, we've only given up 32 total runs. It's just kind of absurd, um, especially doing it against the teams that we've done it against. So our pitching staff has been phenomenal and you know we always talk about pitching and defense our defense has been tremendous but that's where it really starts and and the depth i mean we have you know we have 10 guys that have thrown innings for us this year and and you know any one of them could arguably go out and be the number one pitcher at a lot of schools so we've gotten a lot a lot of innings from a lot of guys there and they've done you know they far exceeded even those expectations and then you go to the offense and we just have a real balanced lineup i mean josiah dixon who's been kind of a staple of our offense for the last four years had a tremendous year one that you would hope as a as a senior would go out and do and be a leader because when he gets on base and he's getting hits and he's staying healthy i mean uh, you know our team is just very dynamic and i think we've been able to win a lot of games in different styles, whether that's scoring some runs or that's really pitching. Um, we can do it in a lot of different ways. And our lineup is just as deep as it's ever been. We have guys coming off the bench that are division one commits and, and not playing every day, but our guys have really bought in to, um, the team concept and, and understanding that really when we get between the lines, it's about wins and, uh, the opportunities that, that this season has brought for all of them, I think, has has enhanced all of their possibilities moving forward and and made them understand kind of what being a team is all about because they really have bought in. I just tip my hat to all our guys because it's not easy when you're a talented player and you're not playing every day. So I think just the combination of talent and and the you know sacrificing of oneself, the selflessness that that our team has portrayed to this point is is the reason why we are where we're at, and just hopefully we can keep it together for the next couple of weeks. You talked about that pitching depth and, and the 32 runs and, and 28 games. Uh, and I mean, holy smokes, you got a guy, uh, you know, Castillo, your, your pitcher, Josiah Castillo, who's, 
who's who's headed to Pepperdine, and and he came in to close the other day, and and I'm sitting there. And I'm thinking to myself, holy smokes, man, how many teams can trot out on the third game of a three-game series in a week? They trot out a guy in the sixth inning that's a Division One commit that's, you know, 87, 89 with a really good breaking ball. I mean, you, you know, so usually when you talk about those video game-like numbers, it comes from two or three guys, right? I mean, it's you got your ace and you got your number two guys that are eating up all your innings and they're, you know, maybe they're having magical seasons, but what, what you guys have there in terms of your depth is is crazy on the mound i mean how do you manage that from a coach's standpoint right i mean you mentioned it you told me before we went on the air jimmy urban you, you know he's going to a cal baptist that's a really good program on the rise out here uh and he's thrown you know less than 10 innings all season i mean how do you manage that you know it's not it's not easy to manage but again it goes to the players and our coaches i mean i think that um we really uh, do a good job of communicating with them, keeping them motivated, getting them in when we can, although it's not easy, you know. Um, and again, just those players buying into that, it would have been really easy for some of them to quit on their teammates or quit on the team and decide to go somewhere else maybe before the year or hang them up in the middle of the year. But they've all stuck through it. And I think the competition factor that's out there amongst these guys, it's like each one of them wants to go out and do better than the, la the last one. I remember, you know, back in the nineties with the Atlanta Braves and you had Maddox and Glavin and, and those guys, Avery and Smoltz. And, you know, it just seems like we have a very similar, um, kind of competition day in and day out with our pitching staff. We went out last week and fortunately we were able to, uh, clinch the Trinity league before we started our last series against modern day. And so we scripted out our innings against modern day, um, so that guys weren't being overused and we were getting everybody in. And I mean, we threw 10 pitchers against modern day. Actually, I think it was 11 cause we had a junior Elijah Burry's come in and get the last out on senior day. And, you know, you, we threw 11 pitchers against a pretty talented modern day team and we gave up three runs all week. I mean, it's just, uh, it's amazing that everyone has just been able to step up and, and kind of, you know, handle their own piece, if you will, of the weight and, 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 take it as, as their own and go out and, and accept the, you know, the, the role that they have and then make the most of the role that they have when they get that opportunity. It's been, it's been fun to watch and it's just a tribute to them. Yeah. And, and just to shift gears real quick, uh, but a guy you mentioned Josiah Dixon and, and as a guy, somebody that's watched him for now four years, it is really awesome to watch him fully healthy and playing up to his capabilities because he's something special when he's fully healthy and, and being able to do that, isn't he? Uh, there's no doubt. I've been doing this a long time, 20 years, and he's the most dynamic, electric, whatever adjective you want to put on him. He is um, something else. And, and to see him, you know, stay healthy for this whole year, he got over 100 at bats this year. And to put up the numbers that he's doing, it's just it's really nice to see a kid that's, you know, he's still 17 years old. He came to us. I think he had just turned 14. He might have still been 13 when he got here as a freshman. And um, to see his growth, both physically and mentally and then you know just becoming the leader that he has he's as special and dynamic a player as i've ever been around he does things every day that just amaze me whether it's doing backflips in the outfield or you know getting an outfield assist he's got tremendous arm strength uh, a lot of scouts ask why we play him in right field not center and you know the reason is he's like a fifth infielder i mean he has probably four or five assists at first base from right field and obviously when he gets on the base pass he's probably the fastest kid i've ever coached and he makes things happen there. Um, he drives in runs for us. I mean, I think he had 17 RBIs this year, scored 17 runs, something crazy. He stole about 15 bases. He just uh, is a difference maker. 
And uh, when he's going well, it seems like our whole team's going well. Um, and it's just it's fun to watch. I, I look forward to the future, the next couple of weeks of having him on our team and then seeing what happens, you know, come June 3rd and 4th with the Major League Draft, because I think he's really up to stock a ton. It reminds me a lot of a, another center fielder, outfielder you had there a while back, Jason Martin, who just made his pro debut. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities to him. Obviously, you know, Josiah bats right-handed and Jason was left. But other than that, there, there's a lot of similarities. I think the tool set on, on each of them is very similar. I think Josiah might be a little bit faster and and Jason might have had a little more pop as far as, you know, uh, home run power at the time they left here. But very, very similar in their tool sets and very similar in how their their passion of the game just, uh, you know, shows in everything they do. And they they really enjoy being out there. All right, so let's go back to your pitching staff and your depth and all these great arms you have. How is that going to help you get through this one-and-done gauntlet that is the CIF Southern Section playoffs? <laughs> That's a good question. You tell me. Um, we are going to try to uh, you know, use that to our advantage however we can. And I think, I think the luxury of, of going into the playoffs with that kind of a, a situation is that if one guy doesn't have it, we don't have to try to stick with him. We can go to the bullpen right away and bring in another guy that, that could be just as good. And whether that means that we just kind of, you know, Johnny Holstaff, the, the playoffs, or if we ride one guy out, it gives us a lot of options uh, from that standpoint. And, the, you know, you mix in the whole fact that Max Ragic and Evan Adolphus can hit and the DH possibilities. I mean, there's, it gives us a lot of flexibility in what we can do. We can play matchups and we can do a lot of different things. So, I think uh, we've really been focusing on that with our pitchers in our communications the last couple of weeks. Like, hey, you might only get one out in a playoff game and you've been a guy for us all year. But we're going to play matchups. We're going to play the hot hand and we're going to do whatever we have to do to win a game. And if that means using, you know, six pitchers in one game or seven pitchers in one game, we're going to do it. And we have no problem. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's something to be said in the fall when we play a ton of games and we run pitchers out there for one or two innings at a time. I mean, teams are it's difficult to score on that as a hitter. It's tough to get comfortable when you're facing a different guy every time you step in the batter's box and we have that ability. So, uh, we, you know, depending on how the games are going and matchups, there's a chance we're going to do that. And uh, I feel sorry, you know, for the hitters that have to face the likes of Radic Rodriguez, Adolphus and Guzman all in one game, you get four at bats and you got to face all four of those guys. You know, if you have some success there, you really, you really had to work for it. And so, um, I think that's the, the biggest problem, although it's a, a great one to have is, is getting all these guys in and keeping them fresh and, and, you know, really ultimately the one and done, you know, single elimination format, you hate to just lose one game when, when you have three or four other guys on the bench that could help out, you know? So hopefully our offense can, can kind of take some of that ease off our pitching going into the playoffs. But if we need to, if we need to move guys around, I know, uh, Mireta Mesa and I don't know, 2016, I think it was, uh, we played them in the quarterfinals and they ran out four or five different pitchers and it made it difficult on our hitters. So, um, we might be using some of that <laughs> to help us moving forward. Yeah, I was at that game behind the, behind home plate there and watched that. That was, uh, it, it, it worked. It, it did make it difficult for your hitters. So, Forbes, you've, you won a pair of CIF titles in Northern California. Uh, last year, you guys made it to the semis, which is the furthest you've made it at Olu. And for me, that you know, you guys are the number one seed. You, you know, what sort of, I mean, do you feel any pressure on that? And, you know, maybe what sort of lessons did you guys learn from last year, you know, the run to the semis? Yeah, I think, you know, well, every year it's kind of the same mentality. It's a new season. It doesn't matter that we're 25 and four and we put up all these ridiculous numbers to this point because it, it really is a new season and anything can happen. 
And, you know, it's just, it's the same thing we have day in and day out is it's take one game at a time and do whatever we can to win the next game to, to, to get to the next one or win this game to get to the next one. And, and, uh, you know, our guys understand that I think the heartbreak and especially we have, you know, Josiah who's been with us for four years and Max and Christian and Elijah have been three-year starters on our team. I mean, I think there's a lot of experience there where these guys have had a lot of success through the regular season. We haven't quite finished it off. And, and I think this group is, is really, uh, you know, this, the leaders that we have in that junior and senior class, I think has really kept that in perspective. Like, Hey, it's great what we've accomplished now, but ultimately we want to hang a banner in the gym that, that says CIF champions. Cause we've never had that at this school. And, uh, so that's the goal. That's, that's the ultimate focus. So it's a matter of, you know, cleaning off the spikes and getting after it again, starting all over. And really it's a five game, five game tournament. And we've been in some of the best tournaments in the country already with the Boris and the NHSI. So we know a little bit about what that's like. Um, and hopefully that just prepares us for what we're about to, to get into here, because we all know this division one CIF thing is, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. And in, in the teams that you got to play and what you got to do to get through it. Yeah, well, ridiculous is is one way to put it. That's for sure, and, and that's <laughs> putting it mildly in some senses. But let's talk about that. I mean, the one and done. I mean, I know that you are heavily involved with you know obviously with baseball nationally. And when I talk to my colleagues around the country, and I you know I tell them that it's a one and done, a single elimination. They just can't seem – they're shocked, right? Um, I was talking to, to, to Coach Weber over at Cypress earlier, and he said that CIF Southern Section has the same number of divisions as the San Diego Section, but the San Diego Section has something like 350 fewer schools. Uh, and so that was a point that he brought up. What, what, what do you think can be done to – kind of give us a better sense of a truer champion in the Southern section than what we have right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's any one answer. I actually spent some time with Rob Weigott, our CF commissioner this morning. And, uh, I don't know if there is a solution. I mean, you know, to get as many schools that we have in the Southern section all on board to change rules is, is a process in itself. And, uh, the one common that we all have as coaches, I think, or at least the majority of the guys that I talk to are that our system is flawed and uh, something needs to be done about it, but it doesn't seem like anybody can get anything done. Uh, you know, we have an advisory committee with coaches on there and they can't seem to get anything done, um, you know, as far as changing in those rules. And I know through CIF, it's got to be voted on by the leagues and the principals have something to do with that, the athletic directors and making that happen is, is really difficult. So as a coach, our hands are a little bit tied. Um, and we kind of, you know, got to take the mentality of it is what it is. It's really unfortunate. And I think that we have a lot of issues here and we need to form a, a stronger union, if you will, amongst the high school coaches to get some things pushed through that, that should take place. Um, you know, there's not really any, it's funny. You talked to coach Weber. I talked to him earlier today too. You know, I, we feel we're the number one, two, one and two seeds in the playoffs. And we both feel like, you know, we got, we got very, very difficult draws, not only in the first round, but throughout and, and arguably as difficult as anybody else that's in this thing. And, and I don't know, number one, if that's justification on the system and I get their specific rules in place that they, they got to follow when they're setting these, these matchups up. But, there's something wrong with it and we need to find a way to change it. And that's not an easy process, but, um, I think, you know, obviously if you, you can go to a double elimination or, a you know, a pool play type, whether it's regionals like the college does or, or series, I know we're talking about a little bit more time, but 
if you really want a true champion, um, we have to make a change because it says something. And, you know, you mentioned we're the number one seed this year. And I think if I did my research correctly, the number one seed in division one has not won the CIF playoffs since 1999. And there's only been two of them in the last 40 years that have won the division one title. So, um, that should tell us all that something's wrong and it needs to get fixed, but now it's a matter of finding how to fix it and, and taking the necessary steps to get there. Just like anything else, you know, you got to go through the protocol to, to get something accomplished. And I think if, if us coaches really truly want to find the best champion, you know, the best team to be the champion each year that, that we have to change our system somehow. And we gotta, we gotta start, you know, holding our ground a little more firm and, 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 putting place, putting things in motion to make that happen, because it's, it's not just going to happen. We all have to get together and really push for this and, and, and kind of unify as a, as a, as coaches in Southern section and then get our athletic directors and principals on board to get the te- the schools and then the leagues ultimately. So, um, I don't know if we're ever going to see change in the immediate future. I think that would be everybody's ideal thing, but it's going to, it's going to take some time. And I just hope that this year, I know, you know, just in talking to a lot of the coaches, it's probably, as goofy of a pairing and first round matchups as, as we've ever seen and, and justifying what happened. I, I can understand from the rules that are in place, but it's not right. And it needs to change. And, and so I, I'm going to hopefully try to rally some coaches and I know some of them are already on board and, tr- and try to try to get things changed, whether that's one thing, you know, next year and one thing that the year after, or if it takes three or four years to change the whole thing, whatever it is, we have to do something different. And there's too many people putting in too much time and hard work and, and getting to a playoff system. That's ultimately like a lottery. I mean, uh, you know, we, we talk about it and we joke about it, but something I really think needs to be changed. We just have, we have the greatest sport, obviously I'm biased being a baseball coach, but I think, you know, arguably we're in the biggest hotbed in the country of, of talented teams and talented players. And, and, the justifications for how you find a champion are, are, are not really supported by the members of it. So we need to do what we have to do to change that. Do you think that it's something as simple as, you know, rallying um, a handful of coaches and making some noise? Is it something where, uh, you know, uh, the economics of it, right? Like you know, Weber mentioned the economics uh, that it's not a revenue sport and, you know, as such, it gets treated as such. So do you think it's something where potentially that changes, uh, you know, maybe there's a gate at games and maybe that helps everybody. I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, but do you think it's something uh, like that or is it something uh, along the lines of potentially doing what the city section and the San Diego section have done, which is, you know, kind of take those top 16 teams do an open division playoff with them, a double elimination, and then let everybody else just kind of stick to the usual format. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I don't think there's an easy solution. I think that is one that, that we could, but I mean, just getting to the top eight or 16 teams is not easy because like in this division one pairings, you know, this section this year, we have 19 first place teams. So, um, the difficult thing would be to get to that top 16. I think that, um, you know, if you win your league and you're a division one league, you arguably should be in that. So that's, that's one thing in it's in itself. But, um, so no, there's not an easy solution. Um, that is something that I think we could start with. I mean, I, I would even like to take a step back further and say, Hey, if you're the higher seed, you should at least get a home game. We're talking about, um, you know, uh, a sport where the home field advantage, the actual playing surface itself is different. The dimensions are different. 
it's not like football where you're playing on a hundred yards or basketball where you have a 10 foot rim, no matter what. I mean, we have different size fences, different playing surfaces, everything else that come into play. And so, I mean, it's really a matter of kind of prioritizing what needs to happen first or what should happen first. And then comparing that to what can happen first and what's the easiest things to get going. And that's why I say it's probably a longer process than, than any of us would like it to be, but we got to start somewhere. And, and, uh, the only way that's going to happen is by, you know, unionizing, getting everybody together, collaborating and finding the best system and then and then showing why it's the best system and getting that approved through the through the steps that you have to take. You know, being in Fresno a couple of weeks ago, the talk was, you know, the prevailing feeling was that a state playoff is coming. And, you know, and talking to some of the coaches around here since then, you know, they say that even if the southern section votes as a no, that it could potentially still pass uh, and there could be a state playoff. And with the date being moved up and the start of the season being moved up, I mean, it makes sense that that could potentially happen. I mean, is, do you view that as a, as a negative? Is that a positive for the sport? Uh, do you think that might be a negative given the current situation in the southern section? Well, I think, you know, the, the big picture is, yes, it would be positive if you get a state champion. I, I think there's no question that everybody would like to have that. But it's going to be, um, you know, argued and, and fought against um, by teams, especially in the southern section, when we can't even necessarily find our best team with the system that we have. You know, and that's not to take away from any of the CIF Division One champions we've had in the past. I think that's just an overall assessment of where we're at is we have a lot of things to fix here locally, you know, and, and finding finding the the best team to be the champion that would then go on to that next step and represent us at a state level. I mean, I, I would like to focus small rather than focusing big. So, yes, I think that that would be a be a great idea to have a state champion, but, but I would much, much, much rather um, – you know, find, find a way to smooth out the, uh, you know, the rough edges that we have here in Southern section first so that we are, are represented each and every year by the best team. Um, because you know, we take a lot of pride in Southern section being as being at the top and being, um, you know, above everybody else. And, and again, I think it's just a, it's a matter of the number of players and schools and, and coaches that we have in Southern section. And, but being that it is what it is, we should have, a better system in place to find that true champion to go on and represent us at the next level. So that would be my focus first. Awesome. Well said, Borbs. Appreciate that insight. Uh, you guys open up with yeah. San Clemente. Uh, the Tritons will drive over to your place. That game coming up on uh, that Thursday, Friday, Thursday uh, yeah. at home. huh? So are you guys playing that as a night game yet? Do you know, uh, are you trying to, or is that going to be a, a three fifteen start? Yeah, no, it'll be a 315 start at Hart Park. Awesome. Well, Borbs, best of luck there and throughout the rest of the playoffs. I uh, really appreciate you coming on today, you know, given that the brackets just came out today. You probably uh, run around like mad uh, with all your other stuff. So thanks for coming on, man. Uh, best of luck to you uh, this postseason. Hey, thanks, Les. I appreciate being on. It's awesome what PBR is doing for high school sports and for our athletes. And uh, anything I can do to help out, just let me know. I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Talk soon. I'll be right back. Steve Doherty rejoins me to break down the top games of the opening round in the Division I CIF playoff. Welcome back. I'm pleased to be rejoined by Steve Doherty, SoCal Area Scout. Doe and I 
We've taken a look at the brackets, albeit pretty briefly here. They've only released a few hours ago, but we've taken a look at it. We're looking at the Division One brackets only. And though you've had a chance to break down some of these games, sounds like you might have made your decision up already on Thursday. I'm taking my time. But let's talk about some of these top games. What do you got for me? What are the games you like on Thursday? Let me say, it's just a little unfair that there's just so many good games and I only have to go to one. Kind of hoping that maybe some of these teams will agree to a night start. I know that limits it to you know ballparks with, with, with lights. But um, so many games at 3.15 on Thursday. I, I'm going to do the Capital Valley-Beckman game. You're taking Bro. Capital Valley and Beckman. All right. Hey that, hey, that works. But you're right. Hey, you know what? I 100% agree with you. It is such a shame that we have to pick one game. Like, we have to, you have to pick one game to go watch at 3.15 on Thursday afternoon. And so you have decided that you're going to go with Capital Valley-Beckman. I believe that I am going to go. Oh, that one's a really, really good one. But uh, I think I am going to go um, with Chaminade at Aliso Niguel. Uh, my, my backup there was going to be uh, Miracosta and Jay Sarah, but I think I'm going to go Aliso Niguel Chaminade as of the time we're recording this podcast here on Monday morning. That could change, but as of right now, <laughs> as of right now, we're going to go with Elisa Niguel and Chaminade. So there's our two picks for the two games we're going to head out to. But though there's, there's a lot of other really good games, right? Like Corona at Awanda. I mean, that's an opening round game. Are you are you kidding me? Like that's a that's a heavyweight, right? That's a heavyweight fight. Listen, man, I, all hands on deck for all these games, but. You know, Ed Owanda is coming with the three-headed monster, Johnson, Bardwell, Lyman, and, of course, they got Freeman. And then, you know, Corona, as a matter of fact, last I texted Wise already this morning. I said, who are you going with? Are you going with Flores or Wallander? And he says, hey, Doe, all hands on deck. I don't even know at this point, but you know those that game is going to be super competitive. It's at Corona. Uh, so you got that area of the Southland down there. I think it's going to be a packed house at the Wilk. Uh, just, just a phenomenal game to be at, man. Les, can I change my can I change my game? I go to <laughs> because I mean I want to go to this one now. <laughs> hey, hey, no, I, I I was just about to say I I might go to this one, and then I was looking at Mister Marietta against Ayala, and you talk about you know another heavyweight matchup, right? Ayala making the move up to D one, Mister Marietta coming off a great season. I mean that's going to be probably a packed house and that's going to be probably a really really good game too right i mean it's like you go down the list here and these games are just i mean one is better than the next it seems like i mean it's just it's crazy although that corona at a wanda uh game is 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 really really good given the proximity of those schools to one another right i mean uh you know another another good one is going to be you know el toro at south hills i mean uh you know south hills is playing some 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 good baseball and they're sneaky sneaky and quiet and they're getting it done with some really really good pitching and some timely hitting from marty ramirez yeah, no doubt. That's going to be a good game. How 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 about the Huntington Beach? How about the Huntington Beach game? That place is like you know an amphitheater. That place is going to be going off down by the beach in three fifteen. You know you got Josh Hahn and the boys hitting dingers 
all day long. It, it that one should be fun too. Man, maybe yeah. I should go surfing in the morning and then check that one out instead. I don't know. Well, well, there you go. I mean, if you do, let me know because I'll tell you what. I'll tell you another place that's going to be just rowdy and 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 it's going to be going off is La Mirada, right? I mean, they got Palm De- or pardon me, Dana Hills coming in. I mean, that place isn't it? Going to a La Mirada game is it's really an experience, right? Because their fans a travel and b are they they're so knowledgeable. They get the game. They get what Coach Zern and his staff are trying to do. They're so supportive of their players, and it's like, dude, they're just and they're and they're vocal, right? And they'll let you know about it. And it's it's just it's really really a fun atmosphere. So that should be a pretty darn good game too. It, it's awesome, man. I mean, and when Jared Jones is on the mound and hopefully that's the case, he, his energy and is just electric out there. So, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be firing and, and it's going to be pretty fun to watch too. So yeah, that's an awesome game too. Yeah, I'll tell you what, depending on who coach Ferris throws in that game, I might be heading over there too. I mean, it, it's just, oh man, you know, and then Palm Desert's hosting guard. You talked about a little bit earlier. Miracosta is hosting Jay Sarah. I mean, that's a, that's a heavyweight matchup too. I mean, these two guys have some history going back to the Boris classic and, you know, Keith Ramsey over there at Miracosta's I mean, what he's done with that program is 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 awesome, and then obviously Jay Sir is is loaded, right? So I mean, that could be a that could be a matchup of future UCLA teammates with Luke Jewett from Jay Sarah uh, going against Jared Caros from Miracosta. I mean, how, oh no, another really good game in the opening round of the CIF yeah. Division One playoffs. Oh yeah, I think we're gonna stick Russ on that one, and and this you know stay in communication via text. I'm going to be texting everybody to see what's going on at all these games. So um, pretty exciting, man, come Thursday. Yeah, you know, then obviously Foothill and West Ranch. uh, Foothill made it to the finals last year, losing to the aforementioned Capo Valley. Uh, West Ranch coming off a national classic title, uh, you know, playing some really good ball right now. Uh, We talked a little bit about Capo Valley Beckman, which as of seven minutes ago was your game of choice uh which may change <laughs> uh but uh it may change and then lastly and certainly not least cyprus against servite at home and what should be again a really really good game uh you know that's a game where uh cyprus needs to be careful man because being at their place wind blows out a little bit uh, and if there's one thing we know about uh, Servite's offense, it's that they've got some some boppers there, right? I mean, they can get the ball out of the park all year. They've been just so consistent. The model of consistency, as a matter of fact, the Weber's got those guys firing on all cylinders. It's going to be a tough match against Servite. I've been I've seen them more than a handful of times this year, and that's going to be a real tough game. Uh, you know, they they mix up their pitching staff too. So who knows if it's going to be a game. Uh, by committee Dwayne Page does some really cool things with those pitchers and he he kind of goes with the hot hand over there and you know if you were if you run into Repetti on a good day you know buckle up because it's a tough one if he's on yeah no doubt I love what you said about Pager there and and it's so true like he, he coaches by feel so much that it's it, it's like it's neat to watch right I mean because he is he's like one of those ultimate feel coaches right like if he feels a guy is starting to lose it or a guy is getting stronger like he'll stick with them or he'll pull them but it's really fun to watch him manage that pitching staff no doubt 
Bill, what 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 else are you looking forward to in the postseason here? Uh, you know, aside from the games and some of the matchups. Just like just as we mentioned earlier in the segment, just the storylines, just to see how these things all play out, and uh, you know, just just really fun to watch these kids have success, and and uh, it's it's pretty cool time of year, man. It's it's awesome. All right, Dell, I'm going to make you commissioner for three minutes. Okay, so you are the CIF commissioner for the next three minutes. What? Mr. Commissioner, can be done, should be done, would you do to make this an even better tournament so that we are able to truly identify a champion? Well, I think the one-and-done format has to, um, you know, go, go by the wayside. It, it, it's worked, um, but I think to get an ultimate state championship – uh, you need to be able to come through the back back end of something and still have an opportunity uh, to win. And that really goes to show on, uh, of the depth uh, of your lineup and, and, and the pitching and, and the depth of your position players it really kind of plays into that. Because if you, you know, run into a, a team that just you had a guy just carving guys, sawing guys up and, and – and then all of a sudden, it's you're done, <laughs> and you don't have any hope uh, to come through the back end and and try and and try and win it. So it gives that opportunity, and it shows the depth of your ball club to be able to uh, come back from a first round loss. Yeah, you know, I like I like the format that they have, and you can take your commissioner's hat off. Thank you. Uh, I like the format that they have, you know, in the LA City section and you know the San Diego section uh, of the Open Division. Right, there are 16 teams. Uh, you know, how do you select those 16 teams? I don't know. Uh, you know, but there's 16 teams, and there's. Um, you know, you, you move those guys up into an open division and it's a double elimination, uh, you know, and, and from there you just kind of go right. Or, or even if it's top eight teams, uh, you know, I, I asked this question to coach Borba and, and he said, well, how do you pick those 16 teams when there's 19 league champions, 19 division one leagues and all of their champions are, are, are in here, right. They're in the postseason. So what are you going to do till three, you know, three division one league champions that they can't be in the, they can't be in the tournament. So I said, okay, I get it. You know, the logistics of it, um, you know, need to be worked out, but I, I just think, you know, being in Fresno, there was a lot of talk of a state championship uh, mm-hmm. and, and it got my mind thinking about, Holy smokes, man. Like we're talking about a, a state championship uh, when, you know, the CIF Southern section uh, is an interesting you know, it's an it's an interesting kind of not it's an interesting situation. I'll, I'll put it that way. Right. Uh, because of, of the one and done. And so I don't know, man, I hope there's some change. I hope that they get on it soon. Uh, you know, I'd love to see a two out of three, at least in the, in the finals. Right. Um, the final series, maybe. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'll leave that for people a lot smarter than me. But I just think it, it'll be a. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just think it's necessary, man. Listen, uh, I love Rob Wygod and Tom Simmons, and they do a magnificent job of putting this out. And and we're not even getting on them. It's, uh, you know, this we got to be able to change a format, and 
no knock on those guys. I love those guys because they have a tough job to do every single year. And I really admire and respect what they do on a year in year out basis. It's tough. And so, um, and I think they're very open to, to ideas. I'm sure they've had discussions with, you know, how we're talking about this stuff right now. So uh, they're going to be open. They're going to look at it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you're talking about you know a couple of old baseball guys, right? I, I mean, they get it. It's not you know, and you're right. Nobody, nobody on this podcast is is knocking on them or or ripping on the job that they've done because you're right. They have one of the hardest jobs in the country, in my opinion. Um, but it's just that I think that, and, and I think you're right. I think they are open and, and amenable to some discussion and some potential change so hopefully you know that happens sooner rather than later is kind of is where i was going just because uh you know i think it's doable uh and i think some of the things that are being valued uh experience wise uh may be getting in the way of doing some of those things um and, and you know meaning you know the, the fact that kids get to play in a big league ballpark uh, I understand that's a once in a lifetime for 99.8% of kids that play baseball. Uh, but I mean, I'd rather identify a true champion than, you know, have the experience of playing in a big league ballpark is all. So that's just, that's my two cents. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. All right, Doe. Well, Hey man, I, I, I appreciate uh, the time. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate uh, all of your efforts and your work here. Uh, so far this regular season and we're going to get after it here in the postseason uh, and you and I probably be doing another podcast here uh, next week to see how well uh, or how poorly uh, we pick those opening round games yeah it, this stuff never ends we're going to be keep we're going to go to the ballpark and uh, you know after this then the then the San Diego section will get going they're, they're still in league this week so um, just stoked to get out there to see all these games just just highlight all these all these athletes and kids and and uh, it's going to be really fun to watch some of these storylines kind of develop awesome Doe. well hey as they develop make sure you tune into prepbaseballreport.com slash california hit us up on twitter at pbr underscore california and instagram at pbr california to follow all the action Doe, appreciate you coming on buddy talk soon welcome back i'm pleased to be rejoined well that'll do it for the show i want to thank Coach Benji Madur from Huntington Beach High School, Coach John Weber from Cypress High School, Coach Eric Borba from Orange Lutheran High School, and SoCal Area Scout Steve Doherty for joining me to break down the Division I CIF Southern Section playoffs. Be sure to check out prepbaseballreport.com slash California for all your up-to-the-minute news on prep baseball in California. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard. 